This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Think twice. Anyway, so, so she said this to me, and it was, I was like, that is probably the best line I've ever heard in my life. Um, and, and I said to her, I said, you know, you taught me a very big lesson today because every, every neshama is a, desi- is a design. So every person, no matter what they're going through in life, right, if you have a neshama, then you have designer baggage. Hey, designer baggage is, is good stuff, you know. You, you, you go to the airport, you see everybody's stuff go through, and then you see that Louis Vuitton square leather thing with the gold likes and everything. You're like, wow, that's nice baggage. I wish I had some baggage. So she, uh, she, she really, she said a lot with saying a little. I think that was a very good line. But in turn, I said a good line this week also. I thought it wasn't as good as hers. So... Um, so I met this, this, there's a, a boy, whatever, father came to talk to me about his son. And um, I first talked to the son, and I was asking him, does your father take you to baseball games? No. Does he take you out to eat? No. Uh, does he play ball with you? No. Does he um, ever, does he, does he go over the Gemara with you? He says, no, my, my, father is, my father is very, very busy. He's very busy. I have a tutor. I'm like, no, no, I just wonder, does your father spend time with you? No. Okay, I finish with the kid, the father walks in, and he sits down and he goes, you know, whilst I'm having trouble with him, he, 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 he can't sit, he can't learn, he makes trouble in class, he's very jumpy, I took him for, I took him for an evaluation, and they told me that, um, that my son has ADD, 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 and, um, and I don't, I don't know what to do, you know, medication, but I heard they become zombies, maybe I shouldn't have, I said, stop, time out, because I know that he doesn't spend time with his kid. So I'm like, stop, time out. I said, you know, it's very, it just came to me as I was talking to him. I said, you know, it's very interesting. You keep saying the word ADD, 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 ADD. I want to tell you what your son said the whole time. The whole time he said the same thing you're saying. Except he used the letters differently than ADD. He said DAD. DAD. Where's my dad? Dad, dad, dad. My dad doesn't take me out. My dad doesn't give me time. I said ADD and DAD are the same letters. I said, instead of worrying about his ADD so much, I think he needs to be a little bit more of a dad. And maybe then you'll find out that he's not so ADD. That was pretty cool. I thought that was pretty cool. But anyway, on the spot, it was pretty cool. He was like, wow. I'm like, yeah, just make these things up on the spot. <laughs> All right, one other story that happened before we start the, um, actually two, before we start the share tonight. Um, fascinating girl. You got to hear this one. So um, a rough called me this week. And he said, I got to tell you, someone that I know, says, I got to tell you, um, so th- this girl called me regarding a boy in my shul that was read to her as a shidduch. And she said, I'd like to ask you something about the boy. He said, I get this all the time, you know, who do you ask? You ask the rub. So he said, ask away. She goes, no, no, I don't want to ask away. I only have one question. He said, you only have one question this, to go out with this boy? You only have one question? He goes, I only have one question. He called me to tell me this. So what do you think she asked? What do most girls ask? If you had one question, the rub said, I'll give you information about this boy, but you can only ask one question. Let me hear from the, we can be a little, you know, interactive here. If you had one question to ask, what would it be? Uh, Midos. Midos, right? Everybody asks Midos. Your Shemayim, how do you know if someone has your Shemayim? Your Shemayim is something that you can't really see inside. You don't know what's going on. Girls always say, I want, what, what, yeah? He what? Does he show up in shul? That's a pretty big question. All right, but I don't think he'd give the rub as, you know, as, as someone to ask if he didn't show up in shul. Right, so most girls are like, Red Watson, what are you looking, I'm looking for a boy that's a Balmidos, which is also hard to, 
really know. Uh, I have to tell you something very interesting that I'm not going to get into who it is, but on my block where I live, so every day when I come home with a lot of groceries, talk about Balmidos, so when I come home with a lot of groceries and I start unpacking my car, so there's a boy on the block, he must be, uh, he, he's about to get married, so sorry girls, but he must be about 22, 23, every single time that he's there, he's a yeshiva boy, every time he's there and I'm unloading my car, he comes across the street, or walks in, let me help you. Like, wow, that's, that's about me, those, okay? Unless he knows I have Arnava and he's figuring like, he'll tell the story. No, but he, he, he's been doing this for a long time. Been doing this for a long time. All the time he sees me, he's like, can I help you, you know, can I, and he really means it. I'm like, no, but you can help me take out the garbage. Nah, okay. But anyway, so what do you think this girl asked? She blew me away. She blew him away that he called me up to tell me this. What, what did she ask? So normal question, normal is, is he a nice boy? Does he, is he a balmy does? Nope. She asked a crazy question. And he, he was so blown away, he had to call me to tell me this. He asked her, she said, I just want to know one thing, and it's a, it's a yes or no answer. I don't need an, not an opinion. She said, does he talk by davening? That was the whole question. So the rub was like, blown away. He said, that's all you want to know? She goes, that's all I want to know. Does he talk by davening? Hamas be this boy doesn't talk by davening. He not only doesn't talk by davening, but he's very careful that since he's by mitzvah, when he's wearing tefillin, even after davening, right, he, um, he, he doesn't talk. He doesn't talk by davening. So he told her, happens to be this boy does not talk by davening. She says, thank you very much. And, you know, I'm going to go out with him. I think it'll work. And he says, you have no more questions. Midos, do they have money? What he looks like? No. So I said to him, I said, the Rav has to understand that she's very smart by asking this question, but she's asking a much bigger question than it sounds like. What what she's asking is, if he if he talks by davening, if he talks by davening, outside of doing the avera, you know, she didn't ask if she is wearing sitzes out, does he eat like kosher? Outside of doing the avera of of talking by davening, he's a kafui toiv. He's an unappreciative, ungrateful person who has no respect, right, for higher authorities coming into shul. He's coming into shul, we're going to talk a little bit about this tonight. He's coming into shul to thank Hashem. And instead of thanking Hashem, he's talking to the guy next to him. So first of all, he's a kafri toiv. He doesn't have, he doesn't have a car satov. You're coming into shul and you're, th- and you're talking to somebody else. Second of all, he's a chutzpanek. He's standing in front of the king, right? The king, he, he, he's coming to talk to the king, to ask the king for life. To be able to hear, to be able to do panos, to be able to find the shidduch, for all that stuff. And instead of talking to the king, he's like, you wait, I'm talking to him. So he's a mechutzuf. He's, he's a wise guy, he's a mechutzuf. He's a, he's a kafei tov. He's over speaking in shul. So she wasn't just asking, you understand? If, if a boy speaks in shul, then that speaks a lot about him. And he was just, he was like, and I said to him, I said, she's just a very smart girl, because that, that question answers, that, that answers that. Doesn't mean if he doesn't talk in shul, everything else is okay. Doesn't mean that, but it means that you're on a good, it's a, it's a, it's a very good simon. It's a very good simon. I was like, wow, I, I have to meet this girl. I mean, that's, a, and, and, and from what he's telling me, she's a pretty modern girl. I think she was a girl from Central even, or whatever. Pretty, a more modern girl, and that was her question. Does he talk in shul? That was, for me, that was, that was amazing. And the fourth thing that happened this week is, um, somebody called me yesterday to tell me something. He knows I do, he knows I, I like Gematrius, you know, you know, the value of words. I love Gematrius. He said to me, I have to tell you something. He said, the Gematria of Hashem's name, Yud K Vav K, right? 
is 26. Everyone here knows that 26, which is Rachamim, is Yudke Vavke. He said it's very interesting that the English word that represents Hashem is G-O-D. Right? That's, that's how they write God's name. If you take the, if you take the English word, right, and do the following. What's the gematria of G? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Seven. Okay? Write that down. G, well, you can't write this down because then you'll end up writing Hashem's name. G equals seven. What's the gematria of O? A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O. Fifteen. Okay, so we got G equals seven, and O equals fifteen, and what equal, what is D? A, B, C, D is four. Four and seven is what? Eleven, and fifteen is twenty-six. He said, so the non-Jewish people, without even realizing, spell Hashem's name the same way we do, it equals twenty-six. I was like, wow, I'll say that by the share. So that happened, actually, yesterday, somebody called me. Okay, so we got ADD being dad. We have Hashem's name in English equaling 26. Make sure he doesn't talk by, make sure he doesn't talk by davening. And if you have baggage, don't be embarrassed. It's designer baggage. So don't be embarrassed, right? It has Hashem's name. It's Yudkevov baggage. You don't have to worry about it. Alright. So, this week's parasha, cute stuff. Cute stuff going on. Um, you're not falling off your chair, but Hashem, but it's pretty cute. Okay. So, um, this week's parasha, Something that I talk a lot about, maybe not to you people, maybe not to, to Ornava crowd, but I talk a lot to therapists about this, and to, um, and to parents about this. This parasha, Lech Lecha, is a very big proof to a theory that I have, um, which, Baruch Hashem, until this point, hasn't been proven wrong. Um, and that is the following, it's called environment. Okay? Now we all know that um, when a person, well we don't all know, but when a person goes to Chatzosham, he's doing drugs, or whatever he's doing, um, the first thing you need to change is their environment, right? That's the first thing, if you're going to take the person and bring, put him back into the same environment, he's going to end up falling into the, into the same situation. So, many people come to me, I um, actually dealt with it today, many people come to me and they have children today that are atheists, it's a new thing. Girls, boys, 15, 16, Jewish, people are going crazy. They're, I managed to get five calls a day, more than five calls a day. I don't know what to do. My friend today, my, my friend's an atheist. Should I bring him to you? Um, you know, my friend doesn't believe that God exists at all. I'm like, so who cares? So a lot of people do this to get attention. So one, one person came to me and said, you know, Ray Wallstein, I was sent to speak to you. I said, why? Um, because I'm an atheist. And my friend said that you could prove to me that there is a God. So very unlike Rabbi Wallstein, I said... No, I can't. He said, what do you mean? They told me that you can prove me there's a God. I said, no, I can't. He said, but you know, I'm a Jewish boy and I don't believe in God. I'm like, so who cares? I'm like, so I do and you don't. And have a good day. He goes, you're not going to try to talk me out of this? I'm like, no. I'm like, you'll live, you'll have your life, you'll go, you'll die, and you'll meet God. Why do I have to talk you out of it? You'll see. At the end, you'll be like, uh-oh. He's going to say, Shalom Aleichem, you're going to say, who are you? And he's going to say, I'm God, you know, the one that you didn't believe. You know, follow the yellow brick road. Hello? We'll say it nicely. So, so I'm like, why, sh- why should I rush that? I said, you'll find out in the end, or everyone's going to find out there's a God. I don't need to prove it to you. And he was like, mom is dying to like, pull me in. And I'm like, I know, most of these people did just want attention. I know I'm going to get a lot of emails because I really just want attention. They're all miserable. I've yet to meet a really happy-go-lucky atheist. 
Like, someone who walks them will say, hey, what's going on? Oh, I don't believe in God. They're like, yeah, so prove me God, man. They're miserable. They're miserable people. They're dark. You know, live in a dark world, and they're miserable. And, and, and this guy was telling me that, that his, 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 his professor is an atheist, and, and he used to be agnostic. You know, he believed there was a God, but that God created the world, and then he left. But then he met this professor, and now he's not even agnostic. He doesn't believe that there was ever a God. Yay. So, like, I'm like, so, okay. So, you don't have to, you believe that just things, things just happen. I don't believe that. My car just showed up in my driveway, and I don't believe that my great-grandfather was a monkey. You want to believe your great-grandfather was a monkey. Very, very nice. I, it's not something I want to be walking around with. And, like, so, like, Ray Wallerstein, tell us a little bit about where you come from. Oh, my father was an ape in Africa. I'm like, if you're happy, you're happy with that, and you want to go around and talk about that, hey, I got no problem with that. My father, my great-grandfather was a tzaddik with a long white beard who learned Tyra all day and was close to Hashem. And my great-great-great-grandfather, because I'm a Kohen, was Aaron a Kohen who worked in the base of Migdash, who used to go around making people happy. Oyev Shalom, Baroyev Shalom. He wasn't some monkey orangutan jumping from tree to tree eating bananas. You're happy. I, I like living that Aaron Akoyan was my great grandma. It's a, so it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of attention. It's a lot of attention. So the, it depends, it, you have to know who you're dealing with. This guy, the way he came to me was he's got like these eight friends that for the last five years have been trying to prove, to prove, to prove, to prove to him God. He's very busy with this. I'm like, uh, in my head, I told this to the friend before this guy came to me. I'm like, if that's his belief, why, you, why is he so busy trying to prove it the whole time? So li- li- live your belief. It's attention. That, that was my feeling. And, and the bottom line is that after he left, and I was like, I'm not here to do it. Just live your life and have a good time and be an atheist and, you know, have a good life. He, he called his friends afterwards. He's like, what's up with this rabbi? He's like, he didn't give me any time. I said, ah, he wanted time. What do you want time? He thought he was going to come to the office and make me into an atheist? So what do you want time for? See, he wants attention. So sometimes, you have to know, listen, that's the responsibility I have to take. And I, it's my game, I have to play a little bit. So now I didn't give you the attention. Now he's going to want a little more attention. He's going to watch the shit and he's going to know I'm talking about him. So, right? What, so you have, to, you have to know when and what. You have to know when a kid wants attention and when a kid's really hurt, you know? So this is something I, I just, just listening to the whole... How it, how it came to me was that he just he doesn't believe one word he's saying. He doesn't believe one word he's saying. Anyway, so let me just tell you where, where, where I'm going with this. So, so, so many times parents come to me and they sit down and they're like, I don't know what happened to my daughter. She's going along. She's a great student. She's a great daughter. She loves Shabbos. And all of a sudden, you know, it, it came to eighth grade and something happened. She just... She just doesn't come to the Shabbos table. I don't even know if she keeps Shabbos anymore. She says she doesn't believe that Hashem gave us the Torah. She doesn't even believe in Hashem. And I don't know what to do. How do I handle this? And I'm like, my belief. I'm just telling you my, my belief. Nothing comes from nothing. So no girl wakes up in the morning and decides there's no God and Hashem didn't give the Torah. Because let's look at this child for a moment. She's in an environment. And this is this Pasha's Lechlecha. When you're in an environment, you get used to... We, human beings were created, very interestingly. And you do learn this a little bit in science. So so how can we live in New York? People live in Florida. People live in, 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 in um, Arizona, where it's 80 degrees. People live in Las Vegas, where it's 120 degrees. People live 
in California where the ground shakes every once in a while, where Brooklyn people, we would never do that, right? And, and people live in Greenland where there's two hours of, two hours of sunlight right now, and there are people that live in, in, in Alaska, and people who live in Miami and in Florida who live there in the summer when it's 110 degrees and humid, right? Why? And the answer is that the way Hashem programmed the human being, the way Hashem created us is that each one of us, He puts a little chip in that we're, that we're part of a certain environment. Otherwise, all the human beings would live in the same place. We'd all live in the most perfect spring, summer, fall, you know, where there's no snow and there's not a lot of rain, but just enough rain. We'd all move to the same place. So you got some Meshugam, we think they're Meshugam, who live in Alaska, who live in Antarctica, who Eskimos, who live in an icebox, right? Their whole life, right? And the Floridians, who, or even more than Florida, other places where it's hot, we have people who live in the desert, right? Their whole life, they live in the desert. And, and, and why do they want to live there? You crazy? Come, come get some air conditioning. You know, I, I remember when I was living, I, I, I was many years ago, I actually didn't have air conditioning in B'nai Brock. There were no air conditionings in the whole B'nai Brock. And I was there for a shop. I was dying. I was banging my head against the wall. It was, it was 110 degrees, humid in B'nai Brock. I was like, oh, I put my face there with a fan and shul. I was going crazy because I lived in, in Muncie and we had central air conditioning. I never, I never was in such a thing. And all the B'nai Brockies were walking around like nothing ever happened. They're happy, they're, they're, they're comfortable, right? And I was so uncomfortable. Why? Because we're used to our environment. The way we're created is we have a certain environment and that's where we want to live and that's where we want to be. Otherwise, all of us would be in one place. Some people like to live next to the water. Some people hate the water. Some people like to live, some people love snow and they go skiing and they go snowmobiling. And there are people who move to Florida because they don't want to ever see snow again. Right, that's, that's, so, every human being has an environment. Now when you're born and you're a Jew, and you're born to a Jewish parents, and you live in a Jewish, your house is a Jewish environment, your yeshiva is a Jewish environment, your camp is a Jewish environment. So you're used to Shabbos with Chal, and Gefilte Fish and Kogel, and, and Potato Lakas, and the Bina, and, 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 and whatever goes on in your house, and the candy, and the owning Shabbos, and whatever goes on in your house. If you're Hasidim, listen, I don't go to Tish. It's not my environment. Hasidim, every Friday night, are at the Rebbe's Tish till 3 o'clock in the morning. Friday night, right after the fish, I'm out. I'm on the couch. I'm out. There's no way that I'm going, to, going out to go dance and sing with some Rebbe till 3 o'clock in the morning. Because I wasn't brought up that way. And I'm not used to that. And they would come to my house for Shabbos. They would say, this is not Shabbos. What do you mean? You bench and you go to sleep? Like, with Tish, right? So we all, we all get used to a certain environment. Now, if all of a sudden Rabbi Wallenstein... One day, tells his wife, I'm not going to sleep. I'm not going to sleep after, after benching at eight, at, now they're changing the clock, at seven o'clock. I'm not going to sleep. I'm walking to Borough Park. I'm going to the Tish. I'll be home at four in the morning. <laughs> something, something happened. Did you meet a Rebbe? Did someone give you a bracha? What happened? You'll just all of a sudden go to Tish Friday night. So, when a kid is going along like this, and then all of a sudden, boom, you need to circle that spot where the kid went boom. Because the kid doesn't just go boom. No one just wakes up and says, a Jewish child was brought up in a yeshiva and all this. All of a sudden, I got questions. No. Something's pushing you to have questions. And sometimes your question is your answer because you're doing something wrong. So we circle that little part on the graph where this kid went down. And I just, just had such a situation. And this girl came back from camp. She was in seventh grade. She went to camp. She came back from sleepaway. And... She came back, and she came back to eighth grade, and all of a sudden, the kid is just not, not eating, not acting the way she used to, chutzpah dick, like, 
and I said to the parents, something happened in camp. Whoa, what could have happened to I said, that's your job, that's not my job. But I'm telling you that something happened in camp. She came to camp one way, she came out of camp another way. Her environment, we don't walk out of our environment voluntary. We get pushed out of our environment. And once we get pushed out of our environment, because we're not in our environment, we don't have the coping skills. You take a person from, from an igloo and you drop him in Florida, he has no idea how to live. He's looking for an igloo. He's like, where's my igloo? In Florida, there are no igloos, right? And, and, and a person from Florida who's going up and is like, you guys don't have any air conditionings in your igloo? He's like, no, igloos don't get hot. So they don't have, you don't have the coping skill. So many, many of the children and many of the people, when they get pushed, when, when there's abuse or something they saw that they never saw before or some kid in camp did something to them that was never done to them before, or whatever it is, and they get pushed out of that comfortable normal environment, right, all of a sudden, they have no coping skills. They're in a place that they were never before. And when they, when they don't have coping skills, that's when a lot of bad things, a lot of bad things happen. So I'm always looking when there's an atheist or a kid that's all of a sudden acting in a very different way, whatever it is, I'm like, this is not an atheist. Something happened to cause this doubt. It could be something happened to the child, to the person that he... That he, had, that he doesn't believe in Hashem, maybe someone that he thought was very close to Hashem hurt him. So now he's like, well, if that's God, and that, that can't be a God. That's sometimes what happens. Sometimes the person wants to sin and do things they're not supposed to. And because they want to do things they're not supposed to, they have to get rid of God. I've dealt with that many times, right? So, the symptom is, what, is, is how the person is acting. But the actual disease is what pushed that person out of their out of their environment, out of what they're used to. Now, why am I telling you this? First of all, as parents, um, Hashem, or whoever is parents or teachers, instead of treating the symptom that my kid is doing all kinds of crazy things, you need to find out, you need to look at your graph. There's always a graph. There's always a morning that that person woke up and all of a sudden that person is different. You need to go to pinpoint that and what, what is happening at that point. And that'll tell you what you need to fix. And sometimes it's very hard because once the person's out of the environment, they're in this environment, they're doing silly things because they're in a different environment that they're not used to, that they're not trained for, that they're not prepared for. I mean, I, I'm dealing with kids that are doing drugs today that are 14-year-old girls that are doing heroin. Heroin. 14-year-old girl that's shooting heroin? That's unheard of. That's unheard of. Smoking marijuana is already not unheard of. Shooting heroin? A 14-year-old Jewish girl shooting heroin? Right? And the answer is, right, and she's now in a hospital, and the answer is, why she's shooting heroin? Because for whatever happened to her, pushed her out of her environment, and she went into the street environment, and she's 14 years old, so she doesn't have street smarts. So when someone said, why don't you take a shot of this, try it, she said yes. She's not smart enough to know that if you become a heroin addict, to, to make it, to, 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 to get out of the addiction of heroin is almost impossible. So she, she, she came out of her environment, a young kid, totally without coping skills. She's not a street kid. She's not a 17 year old kid who's out there who knows what's going on, who would never take such a thing. So now never, this girl right now is in a hospital because she's, she comes from such a from environment, from some of the, from Hasidisha society. There's no way she can understand what that means once you hit the street. So when you, when you get pushed out of your environment, you're extremely, extremely vulnerable and extremely, extremely lost. This week's parasha is my proof. 
Why is this week's Pasha my proof? Because in this week's Pasha it says the following. Hashem told Aram Avinu to leave his environment. What's your environment? Your land, your birthplace, and your family. Hashem said, you have to leave this environment because you are surrounded by Oivdei, Oivdei, Avoid Zara. You're surrounded and you're comfortable. You're changing people, it's very nice. But you, you can't become who you need to become in that environment. So you have to leave your environment. But Hashem says, don't worry, I'm going to take you to a land, I'm going to make you a big nation, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to make your name big, and, and whoever blesses you is going to be blessed. So really, my question always was, how is this a test? If God came to every, any woman in this room and said, a single girl, and said, listen, I want you to move out of Brooklyn. I want you to move to Yerushalayim. But, but I don't know, I don't have a Parnassa, I don't really speak Yivrit. I said, no, no, no. If you move to Yerushalayim, I promise you a Shidduch, immediately, the best boy in Panovich, the best boy in Yeshiva, in the mirror, the best guy. I promise you a job that's a crazy job. You're going to have crazy money. You're going to have beautiful children. You're going to have the most beautiful house. You're, 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 you're going to be the beginning of a, 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 the, the, the biggest nation in the world. You're like, I'm out of here. Pack my baggage. Right? I'm on the plane. So what's the test? Hashem didn't say, and we'll see what happens. He said, I guarantee you, if you leave this place and you go to where you're supposed to be going, I guarantee you that you're going to become, you're going to have everything. So what's the test? And this is considered a huge test. Last week's parasha, two, two psukim before the end, it says that Abraham Avito left Or Kazdom, right? Or Kazdom is where they threw him into a fire that was so hot that the people that wanted to walk with him to the fire dropped dead, they burnt. So that's how hot the fire was. They threw him with a catapult because they couldn't bring him there. They shot him with like a catapult into the fire. And that, the Torah doesn't say one word. It says the word Or Kazdom and there's a medrash, what is Or Kazdom? It's an oven. Why, why was it called an oven? It was the oven where they threw Avram Avinu in. It doesn't say one word. But here, a bunch of sukkim about the big test to leave his land. Big deal. Hashem told him he didn't have a kid. He's not, he wasn't having children. You're going to have children. You're going to be the head of a nation. That's no test. That one it tests. The other one it doesn't. So, so the question will say that, first of all, we don't want to teach Jews to jump into fires. Serving Hashem is not committing suicide. So that's, the Torah doesn't want to have a whole big thing that he jumped into a fire. That's not what we want. That's not our belief. But the, the other reason is that to die for God takes a second. And to live for God takes a lifetime. So Hashem is saying that to die for, die for me, you don't, I don't need a pasuk for that. That's, that takes a second, you jump in the fire. But lech lecham vicha, to leave your, your environment for me? That's a crazy test. So my question always was, what, what, what kind of test? Hashem promised them. He promised him the whole world. He promised him he's going to give him everything. And the answer is that we see from here that to leave your environment, even if I tell you that where you're going is going to be amazing, it's still a huge test. It's a huge test for a person to be pushed to, to leave their environment. Because it's very... I know, someone came to me today and said, at Wallstein, we love your speeches and we want to open up an Ornava in Arizona. I'm like, I'm struggling to finance my Ornava here. What? No, 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 you don't understand. We're going to open, we have a building. It's going to be huge. It's already in place. We're going to buy you a house. It's going to be a mansion. Two Maseratis, right? One Ferrari, one Maserati in the driveway. Five million dollars in your bank account. 
Um, you're going to have an Ornava, a terrace now, we're going to build a building and basketball courts and swimming pools. And your whole dream, whatever you want, it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. Arizona's going to become Rabbi Wallerstein's backyard. You're going to be famous like you were never famous in your life. It's going to be unbelievable. I'm not going. I'm telling you now. If they call me tonight, because they saw this video, I'm not going. I don't want to go to Arizona. I live in Brooklyn. My family lives in Brooklyn. My grandchildren live in Brooklyn. My grocery, I know, he knows me and I know him. The, I, go to, I go to Garden of Eden in the morning to eat breakfast. I don't even have to tell the waitress what I want. The eggs are there and the salad is there and my water with my lemon is there. I don't even tell what I want. If at 2 o'clock at night I still didn't dump my I go, I go to Shemr Shabbos in Borough Park and I have a 2 o'clock minion. If I want a 3 o'clock minion, they even have a 3 o'clock minion. And in the morning I have 40 minyanim in Landau's. And, and this and this is the room that I'm used to. I'm not going to Arizona, but but we pro- it's my environment. It's what I'm used to. It's where I'm comfortable. I'm not interested in leaving that environment. So when someone leaves that environment, they didn't step out on their own. And that's what I tell teachers and mechanchim and parents. When you got a kid going off, something happened. Nobody walks out and gets up one morning and says, "Oh, there's no God." Today I was in Bear Mountains. Let me tell you, there's a God. I went to my spot in Bear Mountains today. Oh, I can't, I should have taken a, I can't even express to the people in this room to stand there and see hundreds and hundreds of miles of trees of changing colors. And, and I'm talking hundreds, maybe thousands of miles you could see. And just, just silent. You would appreciate this, Macham. Silent. I was standing there because it was four o'clock and it was cloudy and it started to rain. So there was nobody up on the top of the mountain. And there was just nothing there. There weren't even birds there. And I was just standing there like, like Moses. I was like, you know, whoa. And I said, Shema Yisrael and Hashem Ulochim. And, and I talked to Hashem up there and the wind's always blowing because of the mountain. And it's silent. You understand? You're looking at hundreds of miles of mountains and there's not a sound. And I'm thinking, to, and, and, and I, I have to tell you what I screamed out, right? I screamed out, I said, I was there alone. I wanted to make sure no one thought I was a Meshuggah. They would push me off the rock, right? So first I said, Shema, and I said, Hashem Ulochim, and I said, Hashem Malach, and I said, Lashan Abba. And then all of a sudden, before I turned away to, to leave, I said, You're a bunch of idiots, you atheists! I don't know, so it came out of my chest, whatever. <laughs> and I was like, are you crazy? I was like, I want to take you all up to the top of the mountain, you have to see this. This cannot just happen. You have to be so absurd. You have to be such an airhead to think that something like that could just happen. They, they can't believe that. There's no way that a person can believe that. There's no way that a person can believe that. So gorgeous. Um, I mean, you have to take some time to disconnect from New York City and, and go up somewhere and, and just look at the colors. Why are you doing this? I, I said, I was sitting there at the rock because I have my meditation rock and I was usually there a lot. I haven't been there a whole year. So, First I asked Mechila from the Rock that I haven't been there for a while. And, yeah, I talked to rocks. What can I tell you? So I've been a Rebbe a long time. Many, many rocks. What? No, I didn't strike the rock. I spoke to the rock. I did the right thing. So, 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 you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, Hashem, I just have to tell you really thank you. You see, because I know that all these trees are dying. They're dying. And in about two weeks, there'll be nothing up there. They'll be just empty trees and what did you call them in your poem? It was a very, very scary word. Marauders. No, the trees. They were dead. They were. There was, there was an English word you were using. This time. Yeah. 
Yeah, you use it about the trees. If you take a look at your poem, you'll see um, that the trees were dead. But anyway, in two, they're not really dead. We know that, but they they look dead. And and I'm and I'm looking at it this 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 autumn, and 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 the yellow and the red and everything. And I'm like, you know, you didn't. Again, I'm a little bit crazy, so I talk to myself, and I'm like, and I'm like, Hashem, you really didn't have to do this for me. Like, like if the tree stayed green, and then the leaf just fell off green, right? The human being wouldn't know the difference. I'm like, you did this for me. There's no one else up here right now looking at this mountain, so I know that you did this for me. And I love you. You're amazing. You, you changed all these trees, all these leaves, every single leaf. One was orange, one was red, one was very red, one was brown. Like, every single leaf you changed, I'm the only guy on this mountain. You did this for me. I'm like, wow. Like, I'm such a small person, and this is such a big world, and you did this for me. It just, you, you have to connect. It's like, and it just makes me so sick that I'm dealing with all these Jewish kids today that are like, I don't believe, I don't believe. What do you mean you don't believe? Just, just, if you, you know, don't just say that. Go, you know, first of all, prove it. Like, if, what do you mean you don't believe? First you have to learn everything and then disprove it. Then we can talk, you know? It, it hurts. It hurts. And, and I know that anyone who tells me that they don't believe in Hashem and, they, and they're an atheist and they come from a Jewish home, I, I, I know that something happened. Something happened. Either something happened to them, or they're doing something that, for whatever reason, they're doing something wrong where they just have to get rid of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You don't leave your, env- your environment voluntarily. Something has to cause you to leave. That is a chip that is in us when we are created. We, are, we, we live by our environment. We get used to our environment, and a lot of people in the world don't need as much as we do to live because that's their environment, and that's how they grew up. They don't need the air conditioning, and they don't need this, and they don't need that. They live a very happy life. So, so in life, when you see people that all of a sudden are like, you know, um, they're your friend for a long time, and all of a sudden they're 31 years old, and they're like, you know, I don't really think there's a Hashem. And you got to be don't don't start arguing with them to try to prove it. Just like like, so what happened? So how did this happen? What happened? Oh no, no, nothing happened. No, tell me what when before you when you believed and now that you don't believe, tell me what happened in between. They usually won't tell you, but they will tell you, and they're really honest with themselves. Something happened, and you have to fix that so that they can come back to Hashem. And 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 we learn this from the Smith Pasha. We learn this from Lech Lecha. Huge test to tell Avram Avinu to leave his environment, even though Hashem's promising him a much better environment. Huge test because people don't want to leave their environments. They just don't. Lot lived in Sodom. He didn't want to leave. His kids, his kids, his his daughters left. His son-in-laws didn't leave. The world's going to be destroyed. They didn't leave. That was they were brought up in Sodom. That's what they were used to. They didn't want to leave Sodom. It's it's it's, it's very fascinating. But I, I I can just tell you not not that I'm trying to be right. That I see this every single day with kids. I see it every single day. And as parents, you need to watch this because if a kid all of a sudden changes. You need to hop when that happens because there could be something really bad happening to this kid. That all of a sudden he changed. Whether he's not sleeping or he's not eating or he's making his pants or he's tossing and turning. There's a lot of simon and there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that you need to watch. Something changes drastically. You need to know in life it doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. Something caused it. You must find the cause. Otherwise the symptoms are just going to keep popping out all over the place. Okay. So. I want to end with this thought. Um, so a teacher, a teacher called me this week, and um, she wants to teach brachos to non-from girls who um, 
who are having a very hard time altogether, and she was told to teach them brachos, to make brachos, how to make brachos, why to make brachos, teach them what bracha do you make on a on, a, on an eggplant, what bracha do you make on a scrambled egg on toast, what bracha do you make, all these different things. I said, time out, time out. Before you start teaching them, you know, that the cereal has one bracha and the milk has another bracha and all that, you got to teach them why we make brachos. This week's parsha, okay? So this week's parsha says something very interesting. It says, I'll make you to a great nation, I will bless you. Hashem says, I'll bless you, Avraham Avinu. Then it says, that, that whoever blesses you will be blessed. But whoever curses you will be cursed. And the whole world will be blessed through you. Okay. So, there's a medrash. Medrash, if you want to look at it, it's called the medrash Tanchuma. This week's Pasha. So, Akash says the following. By the way, I'm still taking off my glasses. I got these new glasses, not these. That you can see far on top and you can see close on bottom. And it's very expensive. I forgot what they're called. What? No, they're not called bifocals anymore. They're called progressive. Progressive. So I got these progressive glasses and they're very exciting and I put them on. For some reason, when I look, when I look far, I'm looking through the bottom part, which is for close. When I look close, it's just making my head, my eye Google, so I'm still with my old glasses that I gotta take off, that I gotta take off when I read. So I'm not progressive, I'm not a progressive Jew. Alright, this is what it says. Hashem says, I will personally bless you. Okay. Then it says, It's beautiful. Listen to this medrash. What is the heye bracha? The heye bracha, actually, the meaning, I'm going to get you dizzy with these glasses, right? The heye bracha, the actual meaning of it means, and you will become a bracha. What does that mean? He's a person. And the answer is no. In all your Shema Esrash, what do you say? The first in the beginning, Baruch Atah Hashem, Mo'gein Avraham. Bless you Hashem, the protector of Avraham. So Hashem was telling Avraham Avinu, you will become a bracha. The first bracha in Shema Esrash is Avraham Avinu. So he said, I'm going to bless you, but you're going to become a bracha. Right? And he said, your bracha will come before my bracha. Because Mo'gein Avraham comes before Mechayim Esim. Mechayim Esim is a bracha Hashem. And Mo'gein Avraham is a bracha Avraham Avinu. Says the medrash, another thing. You're going to be a bracha. It's a beautiful medrash. Hakadosh Baruch said the following: From the time that I created my world, it was necessary that I should bless my creations. I blessed Adam Mechava. It says, Vayivarach Oysim Alokim. Noyach and his children, it says, Vayivarach Alokim is Noyach Vezbano. He says, Kivan Sha'amad Yitzchak, Bikesh Avram Levachai. When Yitzchak, when Avram had Yitzchak, he wanted to bless him. But he saw, right, Avram saw that coming out of Yitzchak was Esav and Yaakov. So he couldn't bless Yitzchak. Because if he blessed Yitzchak, that would in turn Bless Esav. So Tzafa she Esav Yaakov Yitzchak Menu Veloy Beirachav. Avram Avinu did not bench Yitzchak. Oma Avram and Avram came and he said Yovay Ba'lo Eilam Yirach Mishi Yirza. He said I can't give my son Yitzchak a bracha because I see in Ruchah Kodesh that Yitzchak's going to have an Esav. I can't give him a bracha. I don't want Esav to be blessed. He said, But you Hashem, you can bless whoever you want. Do whatever you want. 
He says, what, what was he saying to Hashem? So he says, it's a mushal, it's a parable to a melech shahayoloi pardes, a king who had a, a pardes is an orchard. It's a beautiful story. He hired a caretaker to take care of his orchard. So the king had an orchard and he hired a caretaker. In the middle of the orchard, Elon, there was a tree. There was a tree that the sap of the tree was life. The Elon shows but there was a tree right next to it that the sap of the tree was death. And what happened? The vacant the two trees were intertwined with each other. Omahaaris, so the caretaker said, Ma what should I do? Right? To, to water the tree of life. Efshar, I can't do. Since the two trees are intertwined, if I water the tree of life, I'm also going to water the tree of death. So I can't water either one of them. Exactly what Abraham Avinu said, I can't bless you, because you have a year of a Yaakov and an Esau. What, so what is he going to do now? He's in trouble. So he said the following, I will wait until the king comes to the orchard, and I will tell him, you water whatever you want. In other words, I don't want to be responsible for watering. So that's what he told us. That's what. So Cain Abraham Amar, Abraham said to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Shalai Lebarach, it's like Yefsha. He said, I cannot not bench Yitzchak, but I can't bench Yitzchak. Because Esav's coming out. El Herein Aminichol Abala Bracha, and I will leave it to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, So therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what happened is, later on, when he came to bench, he talked only bench Yaakov. They did not bench Yitzchak. Hashem waited until Yaakov came from Padaram, so Esav never got benched. Okay. Now this has a lot to do with me. Dova Acher, says the Medrash. What does that mean that Hashem said that whoever benches Avraham will be benched? If Amalek benches Avraham, he's going to be benched. This bracha he was giving to the Kahanim. To the, to the Kahanim. What's the bracha? Amalek, he said to Avraham Avinu, Hashem said, one day Avraham from you is going to come a tribe called Shevet Levi. Who is going to bench Shevet Levi? Why? That Shevet Levi, the Kahanim, Mavachim Yisrael. The Kahanim, we bench, we do, you know, when you go to shul, so we do Bechas HaKahanim. So we're benching all the Jews. But who's benching me? Nobody's benching me. I'm finished in one second. Yeah, one more minute. One second. So who's benching me? I'm a client. Who's benching me? I'm a lie. So he said, no. He told Abraham Avinu, the one who gives a blessing, the Kohen, he will also be benched. As it says, put my name on Bnei Yisrael and I will bench them. Who is them? In this world, Shevet Levi, Mevarech Eschem, the Kohanim, will bench you. When Mashiach comes, I will personally bench you. should bench everyone else, should bench everybody, you should have a good Shabbat. Thank you very much. Okay, just, just a, uh, an after sh- an after share ad- additive. I was just just speak addendum. I was just speaking to Ruth. So so one of the proofs that I was uh, saying about a person's environment is we go on, when we leave our environment. It's called vacation. 
In other words, it's not we leave our environment, it's vacation, which means that we're leaving our environment, but we're coming back. And, and that's why they would use the word vacation. And also, any, anyone who travels knows that no matter how good a time you have on vacation, when you walk through that front door, you're always like, I had the best time, but I'm so happy to be home in my house, in my room, in my bed, in, with my pillow, in my kitchen, in my refrigerator, um, and in my case, in my snack box. But um, you see from there that no matter how much fun you had outside, Right, you went to Florida, you had a great time, you're coming back, it's, it's the middle of the winter in New York, and there's snow, and your shoes are getting wet, and, every, and so, what do you mean you're happy to be home? Wasn't it great in Florida? Yes, but it's, everyone still wants to go back to the original environment, and therefore, that's why it was a very big test for Avram Avinu, and that's why if you see someone that stepped out of their environment, you have to find out um, why they stepped out and they're staying out, because it's more than a vacation. It means something happened that, so if you have, if you have, Somebody, for instance, I was just saying, like someone who loves to be home, and and when they come back, they're like, oh, I'm so happy to be home. And also, and that person doesn't like to be home anymore, and that person's like always on vacation, and they're hardly ever coming home. That means that there's something that happened in that home that that person doesn't want to be back in that home anymore. Not that all of a sudden he woke up in the morning and says, I, well, I like to travel. You've been traveling your whole life, and you, you're always like, I'm so happy to be home. All of a sudden now, I'm not, you're not happy to be home. You're never home. And the answer is, there's something else going on. That's why that person is never home. And that's, that's what we have to look into. And that's why Lech Lecha is a proof to, to that theory. Hatzlacha, Hashem should bring us all back to our original environment, to the base of Migdash, Yushalayim, and here we may remain. Thank you, Miriam. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.